0: This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Republican House Representative Stephanie Mickelson from District 32. Mickelson won the general election to the Idaho House of Representatives in November of 2022 and assumed office in December of the same year. Mickelson was born in Idaho Falls and graduated from Blackfoot High School. She earned an associate degree from BYU-Idaho in economics in 1988. Thank you for joining me.
1: Thank you. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Good. Awesome. So just uh sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh no, I was just gonna say nobody realizes how long a days and long hours we keep while we're in the legislature. So by the time you get towards the end of a week, we start getting a little bit tired.
0: (laughs) Ah, yeah, I bet. I bet. There's always something new happening.
1: Yes, there is. And always moving parts and pieces that people don't know about that happen behind the scenes.
0: Right. So my first question for you is what are your thoughts so far on this legislative session? What are some things you have liked and what are some things you may like to see change?
1: Um, You know, if I had to sum up our session so far in many ways, I've been, I've been really disappointed. There's, there's been um, too much party politics where I felt like that we could have spent way more time doing the business of the citizens of the state of Idaho. And rather than setting aside some of these differences we spent two and three days of the taxpayers time and dollars um fighting amongst republicans and it reminds me a little bit about what's been going on in washington dc and I, I think as a state we have to be really careful that we don't start emulating washington dc that we don't start um that, that we don't start calling for votes on the speaker and things if we don't get exactly what we want when we want it. And that was kind of what you saw play out in the legislature um, in the prior week. So as many people know, they have they we went um behind first off, we did a vote on the House floor of a vote of confidence of our speaker. I want to say that was a week and a half ago, 10 days ago, something like that. And then we went into caucus, and in caucus, they had a vote of um they wanted to vote on all of the majority leader, the assistant majority leader in the caucus chair. And it's a sad day. It's, it's a sad reflection on the Republicans and the members of this body when we go and remove um, a majority leader, first time ever in the history of the state of Idaho, and she was, as well as her being the first female majority leader of the state, I felt like that she was doing a really good job. It's been a little bit of a challenge because you have the person that's now sitting as, as a uh, speaker of the house who had been the majority leader for a significant period of time. And while there was some friction there and, and things, I truly believe that she was doing what she felt was best. She's a very, she was Megan Blanksmith representative Blanksmith was a very hard worker. Um, she's moved a lot of of bills across the desk here and I I do not think that once we we once we as a body vote on leaders, short of them being completely incompetent or, you know, committing some grievous sin, and I mean grievous. Um, I think that we need to learn to kind of let people, to let them live, you know, have have those experiences, let them make mistakes. People make mistakes, and if if every time somebody makes a mistake or a misstep. If we're it's gonna be off with their heads, I don't think that's the way we want government to function. I think we need to allow people the space and the opportunity, if if we disagree with them, for them to make changes. And in this case, they didn't. And it was a it was a very sad reflection of of the Idaho legislature. So we could have been spending a lot of time doing a lot of good things and that just hasn't hasn't happened. I think one of the other misfortunate things about the legislature is there are people that have carried some some uh, grudges from a prior prior year from different groups doing different things and blocking legislation that it's created a situation where some people were told that they wouldn't be allowed to run any run any bills this year, and when people's personalities get in the way of good policy for the citizens of the state, and that we can't get the business done that needs to happen in the state, we need to take a good, long, hard look at that. And I, so I would say that that, that was probably another challenge that we saw. Uh, we also had a different budgeting process that if, if they had met their true definition of what they were doing would probably have been okay. But when you say you're gonna have a maintenance budget that is gonna, incre- it, gonna include the cost of ongoing operations and then you leave that out of budgets, um, that's a little bit of a challenge. We also, for one of the first times, are sitting here budgeting and we don't actually have a number we're budgeting to. So I think we've got to, as Idaho citizens, I think we have to require more of our elected leaders and I think we need to expect them to quit playing playing, playing games and start going to work and doing the work of the people of Idaho.
0: A couple weeks ago, Idaho Attorney General Raul Labrador was rejected in open meetings lawsuit against the Idaho State Board of Education with respect to the University of Idaho's purchase of the University of Phoenix. Now state lawmakers are threatening a lawsuit opposing the $685 million deal. So could you tell me a little bit more about this story and your stance on the purchase? I I was thinking back a couple weeks ago that, you know, we wouldn't hear too much more about this, that the deal would go on. But... Now it's back. Why are lawmakers opposing the deal?
1: I think some of the lawmakers that are opposing the deal were upset that they weren't included, that there's been a lot of concern that the Idaho taxpayers would be on the line. And if, in fact, the Idaho taxpayers would be on the line, then should the legislature weigh into it? There's some backstory that I think a lot of people don't understand is that the JFAC committee and members of legislature went to the president of the University of Idaho and told him basically, you know, your funds are going to be limited. You've got to figure out how to have a a funding source. Um, If you need it to augment programs and stuff, you're going to have to figure out basically A way to do that. And if you'll remember when President Green came to the University of Idaho, they were in financial trouble and he got things turned around. And so when you look at this situation, I think he was out there looking for opportunities for ways to grow the presence of the University of Idaho, um, maybe bring in some more dollars to the university in a roundabout way. And so I think his intention was good. Uh, You know, sometimes to backseat, you know, be a backseat driver on on a situation like this. You know, I think that the the members, the State Board of Education members, uh, along with President Green, tried to make a good decision. And and now whether or not the legislature needs to be involved in that remains to be seen. If they can do that outside of taxpayer dollars um, with a private foundation and things, I don't know if the if the legislature necessarily needs to be involved uh but that has yet to be seen and i think sometimes i think we're seeing a lot more of it lately we get pretty sue happy and and start threatening other people and and you've seen that with this ag's office i mean he's he's declared war on a whole lot of people a whole lot of departments um in the state and maybe we ought to take a look at trying to solve problems Rather than file lawsuits, I I think that there's better ways to find find solutions than always filing lawsuits. And and I don't I don't like that. I I know how much money lawsuits cost taxpayers and the citizens of the state. And and like I say, I'd like us to kind of look take off our boxing gloves and try to find ways and opportunities to find common ground for the good solutions for the citizens of the state of Idaho. So. I think we'll see what the next few weeks bring with with the AG's office and and the State Board of Education and uh, members of the legislature that want, it, want to see a different outcome. I have not been part of that group, so I, I, I don't know at this point what's going to happen there.
0: Perfect. Thank you for your comments. So a couple of days ago, on the 13th, the U.S. Senate passed a $95 billion foreign aid package, which would provide military support for Ukraine— Israel, and Taiwan. What is your stance on that, and how will this not only affect the citizens of the United States, but specifically the citizens of Idaho in, in I guess, in your mind?
1: Well, I think we need to remember who our friends are. I also think we need to remember who the dictator is on the other side of, of the Ukraine battle. And I don't think that you can ever be too um, cautious when you're talking Vladimir Putin on the other side, and if we all remember World War II, it all started out with with uh, a man in power getting everybody to buy into his idea. And if we don't come to the aid of the people that are our friends across this globe, and I know you you'll hear a lot of people that think we should be isolationists, and that's all good fine and dandy, but but we become through trade and through travel and so many things um we have these connections and these relationships and i think we have a responsibility that when our friends are in trouble that we go and we help help build them up and and protect them and so i'm i'm in support of what was done with aid to taiwan and aid to ukraine and and aid to israel that you know you, you have to remember there was a lot of things happening to these countries before they ended up in these conflicts. And so we just need to be really thoughtful about making sure that, that we remain allies with people that are going to continue to be our allies.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for your comments. Um, ooh, lost my spot. There you go. Okay. Idaho legislators are debating whether Idaho should call for a convention of states to amend the U S constitution. The Constitution has never been amended through a convention of states, which, according to the U.S. Constitution, would require applications by 34 of the 50 states. So could you tell me a little bit more about what this convention would mean for the U.S. Constitution? What's driving this decision to apply for a convention to amend the Constitution?
1: I think it's interesting you ask this question i've got a whole lot of emails and i haven't taken the time to sit down yet um with those in favor and those opposed i get i get letters for and letters against or emails for and emails against on a daily basis one of the big drivers um for the convention is we ha- we haven't passed a budget in the United States Congress, an actual budget that's driven by a you know a income or a revenue number for a long time. And so there are people out there that rightly so want the United States to gather together, have a constitutional convention and and have a balanced budget. I think that's one of the issues. I think the other one in the Convention of States that I've heard of is that they want to put on some term limits. And, and some additional measures. I have heard too on the other side is that once you call a convention of states, you have to be very careful because you could unintentionally open up the entire constitution. Now you'll have those that say that's not possible. You'll have those that'll say it's possible. But at the end of the day, maybe there's a better way to just, maybe we should change our, make an amendment to our constitution and add a balanced budget amendment. But that's gonna take some time and effort because you've got entitlement programs that are driving a lot of our federal federal debt. Um, And so you gotta figure out a way to address those issues if you're going to move to a balanced budget and under what conditions you might allow the country to go into debt. Say, if you were in times of war, would you allow the country to go in debt to to defend themselves? You know, stuff like that. And and then I think the other issue is um, is the term limits. And I've got to tell you, the longer I get into government, the more I think I've become a big believer in in term limits. I think that people can make a difference, but I'm not sure. And you can see that happening in Washington, D.C. right now. They have people that have been there for way too long. And so. And it's all about their personal power, and it's not necessarily about what's best for the citizens of this country. And so, if we get people that know that there's there's a you know an expiration date on their time in Congress, I think that they would make a huge effort to go in, get the stuff done, and then recognize that then let somebody else come in, make good decisions and choices, and it, I think it would keep a fresher perspective. I, I once read a quote by, by Warren Buffett that said, um, if they can't balance the budget, simply they can't run for office the next time around. And, you know, maybe we need to have that. Uh, if we were to open up our, our Constitution, if we have a Congress that can't come together and figure out a plan to, to put together a budget do we really need those people in office? Are they just fighting for the sake of their own betterment? Or are they fighting for the sake of our country? And I, and I think we have to take a look at that. So as far as I whether or not I'm for or against the convention of states, I don't I don't know it as if I'm for or against it, but I am for a balanced budget. I am for people having term limits so that they can come in, do good work, and then go back home and move on to another industry or retire or whatever it is they want to do. But I think fresh perspective sometimes helps bring about good choices and decisions rather than, than spending decades and decades in Washington, D.C. and becoming more and more detached from your constituents at home.
0: Perfect. Thank you so much for your comments. What are you looking forward to for this next week of the legislative session?
1: Um, we got a couple of exciting things coming up this next week. Uh, the, the governor's uh, investment in facilities is going to be coming out. Uh, they're going to have a bill hearing on it next week. It got R.S. last week, so they're going to have a hearing on it this week. Some of the important points of that are they are going to take 125000000 million. They're going to bond it to a billion. They're going to distribute it based upon um, average daily attendance to, school dis- to the school districts across the state. There's some concern with that plan because we have some of these smaller districts that have been in real trouble as far as being able to pass a bond have and they have significant um needs within their within their their districts for buildings and they can't pass a bond but the only way you can get the bill across the finish line sometimes is to give up some stuff to get some stuff so uh It's going to require all school districts to have a 10-year maintenance plan on that. They're also going to add $75 million a year to school districts' facilities fund to pay off bonds and levies. Uh, They're going to reduce the income taxes to 5.695% as part of that bill. And they're going to uh, remove an August election date along with that. So I think that's one of the biggest things you're going to see move. Another thing I think that you're going to see next week that's going to be kind of interesting is... Uh, the legislature passed the launch program last last year. The first group of seniors that we're going to benefit from that will be coming out of high school this spring. Well, there's some infighting going on right now, and the question remains as to whether or not we're going to be able to um, get launch funded because it wasn't continu- it wasn't part of an ongoing maintenance budget. So there may be some fighting going on to get that through. I think eventually it will make it through, but I think if there's going to be some people bloody by the time it, it it does. I think it's I think it's going to be a fight. So that's going to be one of those things that's coming up next week. We also have um, that you're going to see the school tax credit bill probably makes a movement try to see if they can get it out of committee this coming week. And I know there's a big push from leadership to get that through. I, as many people know, I have been a big opponent of that. I don't think that it's good for Idaho. I don't think it's good for our rural, rural school districts. And I don't think it's good for for the the children and the students in this state in the way that we have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that kids are at common, thorough, free public education and and when you start moving taxpayer dollars out of, out of the public system, it eventually starts hurting those those rural school districts. And people say, oh, don't worry about it. What people don't understand is that, that that money will come off the front side before any money gets to be budgeted for roads, bridges, education, public safety, any of those kind of things. And so that will be interesting to watch that Um, play out next week. Trying to think if there's any other big things out there on the horizon that I'm aware of, but those are probably the top things that are coming up in the week or two weeks ahead.
0: That was Republican House Representative Stephanie Mickelson from District 32. Thanks again for joining me, Representative.